0: I loved gambling. I loved gambling more than anything. I was fucking good at it. I am. Um, I love the casinos. I love to play poker. So I got mixed in with the wrong crowd. Got mixed in with a couple of really bad motherfuckers. Sometimes
1: finding the courage to open up and express how we really feel and what we're going through can be all it takes to change our lives. That was true for Zane Munro. Speaking up saved Zane from a life of despair that had him feeling lost. Angry and hopeless. Then you must have realised how cooked you were before. Once you actually oh, came yeah. off that okay. like, yeah.
0: I look back on look back on some of the situations. Even even now, I look back on some things and I'm like,
1: what the fuck? For years, he was alone, away from home, battling addictions and grabbing hold of anything he could get his hands on to numb the pain.
0: I remember the people that I was with at the time didn't give a fuck. They were just like, oh, he'll be all right, he'll be all
1: right. Do you think they were your friends at the time? Fucking
0: okay, no, hell, yeah, of course I did. I thought they were fucking, they had my best interests and in everything at heart.
1: But he faced his demons and turned it all around, finding so much power and inspiration in speaking his truth that he started his own movement, encouraging other men to do the same. For All the Brothers is a community dedicated to changing the way men view and speak about themselves and each other.
0: There's so many fucking men out there who've got the same problem. Yeah. And. Once you say it, one of your friends could be going through the same thing.
1: Through overcoming his own struggles, Zane has developed a real passion for working to break the stigma that men don't talk about their feelings. He's inspiring other brothers to express their authentic selves without fear of judgment and is becoming his best self
0: in the process. I fucking grew so far in the business, my work ethic, always had a good work ethic, but it just went up to another level.
1: We're on the same mission and we want you to get on board with us. All right, are you ready, motherfucker? <laughs> Welcome to Young Blood, a podcast all about young men's health. My name's Callum McPherson, I'm a journalist, and this is our mission to talk about the stuff that matters and isn't talked about enough. Let's do it. All right, Zane, just tell us what it was like growing up in West Auckland.
0: To be honest, it, it wasn't the easiest life. I mean, a lot of our parents weren't that well off. You um, come from a place which has this the stigmatised Bogan outlook around it, which I mean, it's, it started that just, that just set you back a thousand percent. Um, it wasn't an area where, especially looking back 10, 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't much money. It wasn't a big, rich area at all. Um, I'm originally from Newland. Um, so I spent, I grew up, my younger years in Point Shear, central Auckland, um, and then I moved out to Newland with my mum. Um, it wasn't the easiest upbringing. To be honest, I wouldn't change it for the world. I had a loving mum. Uh, my stepfather came into my life when I was four or five. And being a stepfather, you never know how to raise a kid. It's not your own son. It's nothing like that. So it was the best upbringing, especially in the circumstances.
1: Did you feel like you had a, a chip on your shoulder coming from there with uh, the attitude that, that that place has towards it?
0: Now that I look back on it after the work that I've done on my system, things like that, I walked around thinking I was tough, thought I was a fucking hard man and I wanted to, this isn't my mentality anymore, but it, I walked around like someone says something to me or someone uh, provokes me, my instant thought or my instant reaction was to, re- to retaliate. Yeah. And growing up in West Auckland, I went to Green Bay High School. So school was, uh, we had no uniforms, teachers were by the first name, had a bit of a reputation. Mm. Um, and I was a skinny boy. So I thought that I had something to prove to everybody. Mm. So I had a, a smart mouth, which often got myself into a bit of trouble. Which you don't have
1: anymore, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've slowly started to rein that back in and, and to to look at things a little bit more adult life, I guess. Back then, it was it was doing the best with you know what they were doing at the time. No one actually knows what they're doing at the point in time, but they were doing the best that they could as we went through things.
1: And do you think you were trying to create your identity through? Being a being a hard man and having that sort of uh... to a
0: sense to a sense, I was trying to I was trying to fit in by either being a smart ass, running with the wrong people, or trying to portray this persona of somebody I fucking wasn't. Like it was um you see you see the big tough guys walking around and that's who you want to be. Coming from West Auckland, there's not a lot of money, you're classed as a bogan, you're a class of that. So we' was just putting on that strong front of myself, just really trying to fit in. I played league for Glenelg Bears for 15, 16 years growing up. I wasn't the best player. I wasn't the worst player, so I didn't feel like I could fit in. You were just somebody that was was unseen. Um, but it was also you, you you go to school and stuff like that and you just wanted to fit in. Really. Being the tough guy, being the smart mouth, that never really got me anywhere. That never really got me anywhere at all. If anything, it got, got me a couple of hiding, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so- looking back on it, they were, they were things I deserved for being a, a smart mouth.
1: How did, so how did people respond to it? Did they sort of test you on that and find out that you, you weren't that tough? Or <laughs>
0: um, It was hard because no one uh, – occasionally I did get tested on it and then people would find out that vaccines just to front. The other thing I, I used and I look back on now was I used the kindness but to the wrong way. Um, I'd of, often give people more than they deserved or I would try to please people, which – wasn't really gaining anything from me in any way. Um, I'd have people who would come live at my house and stay at my mum's house and take advantage and things like that. And that was another way I found I was trying to fit in by doing that. Yeah. So you just wanted to be liked. Well, that, that, that's it. And you know, I, I think that's I, – I ran a post the other day, that which is what something someone said to me. But we all just want to fit in and we all want to be accepted and feel as though we're a part of something. And so I tried every fucking trick in the book tried being the tough guy, tried being the smart mouth, um, tried over giving to people. Uh, It it was hard. It it was hard. West Auckland is not a bad place at all. It's not a bad place at all. To be honest with you, it's one of the most beautiful places. But it was just being a a lost little boy, um, I guess I can put it down to. It wasn't really until I moved away from New Zealand. I moved away from um, small groups that everyone cast themselves as part of. Or mm. I actually look back on it and I realize that like fuck I acted like a fool at points I I just I just took the piss school I I could have excelled so well at school, but I just thought being a smart mouth would get me further. Yeah. Well
1: so many of us say that in, in hindsight and it takes living through it and, and growing up a bit to reflect and, and see it that way. Obviously you can't at the time until your brain's finished developing, which takes far too long for <laughs> far too long for the blokes, <laughs> so I think. Um, and you never, you never knew your um, gr- birth dad growing up,
0: though, did you? No. Yeah. So that's not something I actually speak on a lot, and I'm glad you asked about it. Um, so when I was born, um, I don't, still don't know the full story around that. Supposedly, from, the, from what I've heard, my birth father, um, he was abusive. He was a bit of a womanizer, and he'd been an alcoholic, and he didn't treat my mum my very well. He took off. He left me before I was born. So uh, it wasn't wasn't the best situation. Um, he's British. My mum's a Kiwi. His mum came back to New Zealand. I was born back there and she did fuck hands down the most amazing job. As a single mother, she did everything in her power to give me the world. And like it's it gave me everything now. Like it literally if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have anything. So it comes down to not meeting him was almost a, a blessing in disguise, I guess, because from, from what I've heard, I don't know the man personally at all. Um, this is not a thing I throw around easy, but he, he was a piece of shit. He wasn't a nice person. And I, I now that I look back on it, it's not somebody who I would've wanted to go up around anyway. But while we're talking on the subject, I will we'll throw it in there. I recently, actually five years ago, I reached out through social media through Facebook when I had it, and through email. I reached out and managed to find out I had a half-sister, which I never knew, and I had a half-brother, which I never knew at all. I reached out to them to get in touch with him, something that played a massive part mentally because I was trying to prepare myself for 25, 26 years of not knowing this man, preparing myself to have a conversation with him. Yeah. Um, Long story short, though, she was pulling my chain the whole time. And she told me that he doesn't want to really have anything to do with me. So that it took its fucking toll. It's not something I've spoken about with anybody besides my wife.
1: And so was was that true? Uh, you mean the half-sister was pulling a chain or?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I found her through through Facebook, um, reached out to her through email, I had a phone call with her and stuff like that. And it was literally, oh, well, he'll call you tomorrow, he'll call you tomorrow, or oh, he'll call it this time. Right. So I sat by my phone when I first met my wife. Um, first met her we, we weren't even dating I should, well, officially we were just seeing each other yeah. um and she was having to put up with me going through these mental spells of fuck this loss and uncertainty in my life of being like i'm actually going to speak to my real father mm. i was confused because i didn't know if it was something i wanted to do or something i was just holding on to not really knowing so but once
1: you've gone that far and you're that invested in it you're pretty keen for them to pick up the phone. You don't want to just be waiting there all day. You'd rather know Ooh. than not know.
0: That was it. That was it. And the, and the toll that it took mentally as well because you prepare yourself to speak to somebody who gave birth to you. You might not have had any input in my entire life, but you, you'd still want just, I don't know if you'd call it closure maybe, just of knowing you've spoken to them. I mean, I don't know what I would say to them Personally, I have no fucking idea what I would say to them. I mean, when you're put in that situation, you don't know if you're going to talk to them like you would normally to a person or if you've got this resentment or hate inside you for what he did to your mother. I mean, abandonment's a fucking big thing that we face as as men, especially with going up in solo mothers, solo fathers or in a a breakup situation. We feel abandoned as men. So I didn't know how I was going to express that. But when it came down to it, um, I never had the chance to speak to him, which in hindsight, I'm kind of glad I didn't because he wasn't going to add any extra value to my life. Mm. I am the man I am because of my mother and because of my stepfather. Um, my stepfather's my best friend. I speak to him every single day. Mm. So he wouldn't have speaking to my real father, my birth father, wouldn't have brought anything extra to my life. Maybe it would have brought a little bit of closure. But if anything, it probably would have just played in my mind a lot more.
1: That's just a very, uh, a very mature way to look at it, man. How, what, what, what impact? Like as a kid, knowing that your dad had left, what sort of what uh, feelings did that bring about in you or what impact did that have on you that you maybe mm-hmm. realised later or maybe at the time? It's it's a thing
0: I actually hadn't realised until maybe the last year, year and a half, two years. started doing breathwork a year and a half ago, um, breathwork and meditation through a guy, Stephen Todd, who's a friend from West Auckland. Karen lives in Bali, but he travels the world facilitating breathwork workshops if you asked me about breath work two years ago, I would have been what the fuck are talking about? Yeah. That shit doesn't work. Yeah. It wasn't until I actually started started breathwork and started delving into things the way that I was and things like that, that um it brought up the feeling of abandonment. So I've always put up a brick wall, I guess. People get too close to me, I either shut off or I want to try and bring them in too close. And that pushes them away. That that was it. And I did I never realized that. I had those traits and I was doing certain things because I felt abandoned as a kid, um, not knowing your real dad. I mean, a lot of us hate to admit it, but, I mean, that dude gave birth to you, that dude is part of you, and to not know them, it, it, it does take its toll. It does, it does eat at you a little bit, mm-hmm. and especially the last two years since I had my son, I knew exactly, you know, I never wanted to leave my son ever in a situation where he would be like, well, who's my birth father? But the more that the more that I, I delve into things like the abandonment little feelings or triggers you get from growing up without your birth father, I who I call dad, he raised me to be who I am, be it right or wrong at the time. He showed me how to be a man, he taught me how to wipe my ass, he taught me how to to, to work like a man, he, he gave me work ethic, he he was there for me when no other man was. And I've grown this friendship with him where I speak to him every day. He gives me advice on life. He gives me advice on females. He gives me advice on any and everything in this world. So he's, he's my best friend, without a doubt. He's the person who I know any problem in the world, I can just open up to him and speak to him about. Him. So it's, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because I, I could never have that connection with my mother or, or, or treated her the way that my birth father did. So it was it was a bless it's a blessing all around to be able to not really meet my birth father, but to have my stepfather. Yeah. I mean you you lose all that abandonment feeling that that uh, feeling like you don't matter and shit like that, which men don't really admit it, but when you grow up without a father, you do feel that fuck was I was I not good enough? Or was I was I a burden to his life and that's why he didn't want to be with me and stuff. Um but it also goes full circle. He may have been dealing with this shit or going through some shit at the time, which as men, we all we all go through. So he, it's a it's a, it's a it's a hard topic because it is a hard. I still don't even know how I feel about it. One day I might be like, I want to talk to him, but then one day I might be like, if I meet him, I'm probably gonna fucking knock him out. I mean that's just it's just like you you never know and it's, it's that constant evolution of emotion and feeling that you go through as a man.
1: Well, it sounds like at least it was pivotal that you had your, your stepdad there, and that um, he played the uh, he's a, played the role of the father, fucking, you know. And he's your step he, your stepdad, but it seems like I feel the same way about my dad that you feel about your stepdad, and have that kind of a relationship, and see how big that is for me, and and try not to take it for granted, and see other people who don't have that, and it must uh, inspire you to be that kind of a dad for your your son as well.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, I want to be to my son. What my stepfather is to me or what my, my, my dad I call him my dad because he he's taught me more than anything but I want to be what he is to me to my son I mean we went through our, our rough parts and things like that growing up but I think every every teenage male or mid-twenties male goes through that with their dad They're that rebellious smart ass the kid that we all are at points yeah getting um, carried
1: out of parties vomiting everywhere
0: yeah you know, that's tight <laughs> at certain parts of our life but now but he doesn't go two days where I don't speak to him. And it could even just be, to, especially over this 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 isolation period that they're facing in New Zealand, he's got a lot of spare time on his hands, and so it's meant a lot to me that he's calling me every second day or I'm calling him every second day because it, it helps us both through in a way. But I've, I've always looked at him as, as a hero or, or an idol. And the way that I look at him is the way I'd love my son to look at me Um. Be it right or wrong, the certain things we do as fathers, we're, we're, we're doing the best that we can at that point in time. So I know that things that I'm doing right now might be mistakes, but I just hope that as my son grows older, he forgives me or realises and knows that I've always been there for him. It's
1: beautiful, bro. I love that you speak with such honesty. Um, it's really nice to hear. Take us back to when you moved to Melbourne. Why did you move there and then what was it like when you got there?
0: I lived in Gold Coast for just over a year. Um, I lived in a place called Labrador. I lived with my cousin up there, so I had my auntie, my uncle, cousins, things like that around me. It was much there by myself, being this big man. I had my family around me. Um, How old didn't were last you then? Very long. I just turned eighteen. Just turned eighteen, so it was my first time flying out of the country. Thought I was this big man i ready, ready, ready to get on
1: it." Ready to get on it.
0: That was it, and I, I, I guess is. There's no better place when you're 18 to be than the Gold Coast. Yeah, well, yeah. It some fun times. It <laughs> was some fun times. So but as I um as the year progressed and stuff like that, the money up there wasn't the greatest. I missed family, missed home. I'd always been around family and friends and stuff like that. So I made the move back to New Zealand. Um this was just before the World Cup over there. So I was managing a managing a bar there. Um that was bringing nothing but trouble, to be honest. Um when you're I wouldn't say a broken male, but you're a male who He hasn't faced this shit yet. (laughs) I was using drugs and alcohol all the time. So personally, I used the escape from New Zealand to move to Melbourne as a, I don't know, as a a change of scenery or a detox. I guess Mm -hmm. just to get myself away from certain situations and certain people and certain surroundings. And then,
1: but uh, as someone who's got a bit of an idea of certain nightlife scenarios, Melbourne might not be the best place to go for a detox, bro. (laughs) Nah, put it this way: so
0: I had this big bright-eyed idea that I'd move to Melbourne and I'd live in somewhere like Toorak or Collingwood and I'd have the big loft apartment and shit like that.
1: Okay.
0: I moved here by myself. Didn't know a fucking person in Melbourne. Had no friends, no family, no nothing like that. Um, Through a friend of a friend, I managed to get an apartment um, in the first couple of months. Just turns out that apartment was one road back from Chapel Street. Yeah. If anyone's in Melbourne, they know Chapel Street. They know that it's it's good news, it's bad news, it's everything in between. Yeah. And for somebody who was feeling a little bit lost at the point in time, and I found myself in, in bars, uh, pokey halls, I found myself surrounded by drugs and alcohol. Mm. And I, I admit it, I've had my struggles, my, my battles in the past with drugs and alcohol, but I've always found them as my way of releasing or fitting in into certain scenes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the first two years I was here, I was here by myself. I found myself... Slowly reclusing from the world, but also venturing out. So I was reclusing into my own mind and not dealing with the shit that was going on back there, being alone and, and not having friends and family and stuff like that, and the depression that it was causing me. Mm. But I was also venturing out by being at bars and and, and yeah, been on the drugs every every night of the week and things like that. I just, I, as I look back on it, I was dealing with it the best way I could at the point in time. Um. In turn, this will be something I've never spoken about before. And maybe three people and four people in the world that know about it. Going through those battles, I got mixed in with the wrong crowd. I got mixed in with a couple of really bad motherfuckers. The the drugs and everything like that took over. I loved gambling. I loved gambling more than anything. I was fucking good at it. I am. Um, I love the casinos. I love to play poker. I got tied in with a bad circle. Um, I'm not going to delve too much into the specifics of it. But anyway, there was a, a little bit of money that was being generated and things like that, and it got to the point where I fucked up massively. I took a big hit, and I ended up just under $90,000 in debt.
1: So you took out a big loan, and then you fucked it up?
0: It was money that was being handed to me and things like that. So certain things happened. Mm. And I was responsible for that money for those situations for what was going on. And I, uh, I fucked up massively, be at my own stupid mind at the point in time. So, in turn, what it was forcing me to do was I was taking out mass loan after mass loan to cover things, which in turn, when you've got a very addictive personality at the point in time, mm. you're using funds for certain things, and vices, and things like that. Yeah. So it came digging yourself to a bigger a hole. Point, well that was it. You thought you were digging yourself out, but in turn you were just digging twenty meters that way. You weren't digging upwards. Yeah.
1: What were you what were you hooked on at this time? Was it meth or was it?
0: Um, yeah. I'll fucking front up about it hundred percent. I was smoking a lot of gear. I was. Um, but it was pretty much anything and everything I could get my hands on. Yeah. And that was all uh, about that was all
1: about like distracting yourself from how you were actually feeling well, and what was going on and, and trying to fit in somewhere. Pretty
0: much. And I didn't I didn't realise it. I personally didn't realize it at the time. I didn't realize that I was blocking out everything, or that was my way of dealing with what I was facing. Mm. Um, but yeah, the cocaine, the, the, the meth, the, the, everything just—it played its part.
1: How do you remember? And how I'm, do you remember feeling about yourself at that time, or like the impact that that used to have? Like, did you used to be excited and think that you liked that life, or were you pretty convinced early be, on that you were? To
0: be honest, anyone who's been in that situation. Um, point in time, you think you're the fucking man, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you've got you got copious amounts of drugs on you and things like that. Yeah. You, you're enjoying the, the moment. Yeah, the high. But You it think it's going to that... last forever. <laughs> well, that's it. You think you're going to be generating money. You're going to be fucking surrounded by friends. Mm. You're going to be partying all the time. Yeah, you're yeah. going to have Think you're gonna be x amount of whatever you think want. Think you're gonna be
1: Scarface or something like that.
0: <laughs> well, that, that's it. That's it. Scarface mentality that we get as men, especially when you step into that realm. I think. Yeah. Um, well, pretty
1: quickly, you realise that um that was not how it was going to go.
0: Not at all. To be honest, it wasn't really till I met my wife where I started to straighten my shit up, started to front up about things. And um, there was one night where me and her first met. I took her out with my friends for the first time. I'd been on a three or four day bender. Um, went out to a club with a couple of friends. After being on a three- or four-day bender, a lot of people know that your mind isn't – your mind's definitely not Yes, yeah, so you already.
1: hadn't slept.
0: Nah, went into the toilet and I had a ridiculously big size rack of MD. And all it did was it just sent me into a fucking spiral. And I remember the people that I was with at the time didn't give a fuck. They were just like, oh, he'll be all right. He'll be yeah. right.
1: Did you think they were your my friends wife, at the time?
0: Oh, fucking hell, I yeah. did. Fucking hell, yeah, of course I did. I thought they were fucking had my best interests and in everything at heart. Um, the thing was, my wife, she's a skinny blonde white girl. She got no no muscle she's muscle, but she has got no size to <laughs> it. I'm, I'm I'm eighty odd kilo. I don't remember anything from leaving that toilet cubicle. Waking up the next morning in her bed, uh, she carried me down the stairs. She put me into a cab. My bag was full of certain things, which I won't speak on. She got me home. She made sure everything that I had on me was safe. She put me into bed. She looked down. Was that me. the first day? And waking up that next morning. <laughs> uh, it, pretty much, I, it pretty much was one of the first times that I'd taken her out Shit, of man.
1: And she still liked you after that
0: that was the morning where I woke up and I looked at things with an outside point of view and I was like, what the fuck am I up to? (laughs) Like seriously, like if she wasn't there, I have no idea what would have happened. So we're out in St Kilda and she lived in the city. So if I'd fucking been in the situation I was, she wasn't there. I had my side bag on me with everything in it in St Kilda. Anyone who's been to St Kilda and knows that if you end up in the wrong part of St Kilda knows what would have happened. So if I didn't have her there, I fucking don't know where I would have been right now. Um, but that was the morning where I woke up and I looked at things and I was like, "What I'm doing isn't fucking good. Like, it's, it's not the right way to be living. It's not the right way to be dealing with my shit." Um, but it was also the first morning I realised I fucking loved her. So it was, it was a, uh, it was a blessing you, in disguise. You didn't tell her that, did you? No. What happened was that woke up in the morning and I had to tell her I had to go over to KFC to get some <laughs> breakfast. Uh,
1: you were a real picture of health. <laughs>
0: So, so I went for a 30, I went for a thirty-minute walk to try and clear my head to clear the thought of telling her that I loved her. Right. And it wasn't wasn't for a couple of months later on where I said to her, I was like, "Hey, you remember that morning where you looked after me? And I woke up and all my stuff was in the drawer and everything was there and and all that." She's like, "Yeah, She's like, I didn't go to KFC. I just went for a walk to clear my head, so I didn't tell you that I loved you." Like it was, it was, ah, it was, it was yeah, it was. That is cute. It bro. was divine synchronicity. <laughs> it was um. It was I fucked myself up to the point where I had to make a change, but it was also the point where I realised the person looking after me is the person that I love.
1: Mm, so you must have felt so it was, um, incredibly lucky at that point, and like you didn't want to mess that up.
0: Fucking no, like seriously. And it was it was around that time where I started trying to speak to my father, my birth my birth father, and mm. she was the first person who I cried to. Mm. She was the person who the first person who I was actually honest about that shit that we think about as I men. Um, she was the first person who I told that I wasn't feeling good about myself and I have fucking I, my own insecurities and I felt depressed and things like that. I literally, now I look back on it, if it wasn't for that certain moment, that set time where I fucked myself completely, I wouldn't have began to delve into myself or to grow or to deal with the shit that was going on inside. Mm. And 90% of it I'd bottled up so far, I didn't even know I was fucking thinking about it. Yeah. As, as one thing came out, as one conversation started, as I began to open up as a man, as I cried, if anyone hears this and they don't cry, fuck, and crying's fucking good. It fucking is honestly one of the biggest releases in the world. But you, you don't cry as men in front of females, and that was the biggest thing I faced. And I cried in front of her. And the second that I cried in front of her, it just showed myself that I could be vulnerable. Um, and if I can be vulnerable to the point where I'm crying, in front of a female. Why can't I speak about the shit that's going on? So I um, I do look back on that moment quite a lot because I'm like, if it hadn't been for her, I don't know what I'd be up to right now. Um, I don't know if those depression episodes that I would go through from either the come down of drugs or being by myself for so long, where I would have put myself. I mean, I, had, I admit it nowadays, I've had suicidal thoughts before, never acted on them ever in my life, but I've always, I've thought about it in the past whereas I don't have anybody at the point in time. Well, if I don't have anyone, then what's the point of me being around anymore? Mm. Stupid yeah. shit like that.
1: Yeah, because you were I, you, even though you were around people and around the scene, you were isolated. You didn't I really you didn't have anyone who really cared about
0: you there and you knew that. Not at all. And I mean, those people were there for the good time. Mm. But on a on a Tuesday or Wednesday yeah. when you're coming it's down, be like that. Well, with the yeah, folks yeah, around you. Yeah. You're by yourself. Um, if you haven't had a, a good week of work, or, you, or you've missed a payment to a certain person, or you've got nothing that week, so where the fuck are those and friends? And in that
1: situation, these people are—they're using you. You know, they're not—they're not propping well, they're, you up and supporting. You. An and you are. and you're using them as well to an extent too, because you want to be part of that distraction and that scene. And you know, you're doing what you're doing.
0: That's it. It, it goes both ways. Yeah. It goes both ways. I was using them as a distraction that I didn't even realize at the time, and they were also probably using me as a distraction from their own lives. Um, the only thing we had in common was drugs, alcohol, parties. And it, um, it, did, it did play a, a big part in me opening up because once I met my wife, and so the more that I would speak to her and the more it opened up to her and the more time I'd spend with her, I'd notice these people starting to drop out of my life. And it came down to realising who was actually there and who wasn't. Because when shit gets hard that's when you expect everyone to rally around you and to be around you to lift you back up yeah that's when you but find there, out the, the reality of it was there was there was fucking no one there so it was um it was a big eye opening thing especially for a male who used drugs and alcohol to, to mask those things he didn't realize he was thinking or feeling um it was a big thing so when and in, when in, if she hears this it was just a from the bottom of my heart I've said to before but it's it was just a thank you, like seriously, she, I don't know, she gave me life because I mean, as I said just before, if, if I'd carried on the same path I was, kept using, kept doing certain self-abusive alcohol, drug traits, would I have still been here? And that was the thing that, that I sit back and think on a lot because I'm like, if she hadn't slipped into my life, where would I be, what would I be doing? Um, would I still be living the same life? What well, what would I be up to? So, mm. yeah. yeah. Bottom of my heart, fucking appreciate you.
1: <laughs> That's very romantic, bro. I love uh, how <laughs> much of an impact she's had. She must feel like a very special woman, and I'm sure she is. How, how did she react the first time that you cried and, and shared those feelings? What did she say to you?
0: <laughs> to be honest, it was the fucking exact opposite of what I thought. So I thought. Crying in front of a female or showing vulnerability or showing what is perceived to be weak, she would have not texted me the next day, or not called me or not wanted to be around the same situation that I'm in. Yeah. Um, it was the exact opposite. She fucking was right there. She was literally right there. She would call me when I was at work, text me, check in on how I was feeling. I'd go around and see her after work and she'd just chat to me. And, like, if I didn't want to speak about something deep or uh, whatever at the time, she'd just sit with me. And, like, fuck, I I appreciate it much because it was the first time I'd actually had it. Mm. And I think um, one of the big things we face as men is being vulnerable or being, as I said, what's perceived to be weak in front of your female. You assume the same things I did. That She'll see you as somebody who isn't manly or masculine or fucking the poster boy or the ideal man. Mm. But to be honest, once you open up to a female, they feel that connection so much fucking more because you've been vulnerable with them. You're showing them that you can feel and that you do feel and that as you speak on what you're going through, they see you grow, which in turn is a fucking powerful thing. I mean, the the connection that can be built through vulnerability will, will far outweigh any... Only good times in life. Well,
1: because then you're actually being your authentic self and they can see and feel that you're giving all of yourself to them, um, which people love. And it's very intense, but it it shows that it's it's real and it gives them permission to then do the same. And that's when it's a real relationship as opposed to, a you know, fair weather sort of a deal. Well, the thing is,
0: yeah, I, I, I do speak on it a little bit, but I'm like, if you go through only good times in life, well, then what the fuck prepares you for the bad times? And I think the biggest blessing for me with my wife was we started off, I was the black. Well, literally, I was a fucking broken man. But I grew from that. So I went from the the bad to the good. It makes you stronger as a, as a, as a couple. It makes the connection stronger and it makes what you've, you've formed, you don't have to worry about hiding those things. Um, I mean, there's still things nowadays, which I'm, I'm working on myself, which come across as bad traits as a male. I mean, I'm all about speaking up and things like that, but there's still certain things, or I overshare, um, I dump it all onto her, which isn't fair of me, but it's just, it's just working through what we face as men. But yeah, starting a relationship from the lowest below was, it was fucking um, something I've never experienced before. And to be honest, if you're a man out there, you want your connection, you want your relationship to grow, it comes down to communication. If you can communicate that shit that's sitting in the back of your head or the bottom of your heart, you get that out there. The connection and the, and and the 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 bond that it
1: forms is so much fucking stronger. So, did you want to become a better man for you or for her when you first you know hit rock bottom and then looked at yourself in the mirror, hated what you saw, saw her next to you, were you like, right, I've got to change because I want this girl to be in my life, or did you? Want to change because you didn't want to be the way you were anymore? Or is it both?
0: To be honest, I'm not quite sure why it was. I know for a fact that it was because I wanted to fucking be better than what I was. But I also think it was because the love that she had shown me, I wanted to be better for her. I wanted to face up to that shit and front up to it. So then I, in turn, could be, I don't know, a little bit more healed. I mean, I've had fucking just dumb traits in the past which I've taken into relationships which have fucked other people over and things like that and just spoke about your own like insecurity or since you didn't belong. Mm. I'd cheat or I'd run away from relationships. Just just dumb fucking shit. Just stupid things that as men we we do which we shouldn't fucking yeah. do. So I, I didn't, didn't want to be that person. And I think the sense of finding love and connection with somebody, I wanted to be better for that. I wanted. I didn't want to lose that. I want grow off that. And um, it's hard to pinpoint whether it was for myself or for her, but I think it was a combination of them
1: both. And so you had that love and you had her support. How did you actually pull yourself out of that life that you're living in? Because obviously once you're in that world, it's not as easy as packing up and saying, all right, I'm not doing it anymore from tomorrow. You know, how did you actually that was, get away?
0: That that was the thing. I mean, I, I admit it. We had our parties and our fun times at the start. Um, it, that life wasn't completely gone from me, but there were certain aspects that were cut out of it. Um, but it, literally, we got engaged pretty quickly. So we got engaged five months through our relationship. Wow. Pretty fucking quick wow, for Yeah, who that's that. pretty quick. <laughs> but I mean, it comes down to that old generic bullshit saying that when you know You've got the one, that's the one. And, I mean, we have been through a lot already leading up to that. So we got engaged. When we got engaged, I was still living in a friend's apartment. So he owned the apartment and I was living with him and she was living with her friends. Um, It was just divine synchronicity that her lease ran up. We got engaged and we figured we'd move in together. Um, So we moved. Originally, we were in – she was in – Back of Richmond, I was out yeah, to a place called Spotswood, which is over the Westgate Bridge. So it's not actually very far from the city, but when you, it, people's mentality think, "Oh fuck, it's over the bridge," we're not going out there. Yeah. So in turn, that that was the the turning point where all that shit got cut out of my life. I mean, for the first couple of months we lived out there, I had friends coming around and things like that. But as time passed, those friends dropped off and those scenarios dropped off. And Things like that dropped off, and we finally had that connection of just me and her. Mm. And I think that was the, the, the me stepping out of it point. Yeah.
1: So she really gave um, you a reason or something to keep coming back to you. That's going to keep you away from what you were in, because without that, you can want to be better and want to change. But if all the influences around you are mostly pulling you back to what you were doing before, it's going to be virtually impossible to actually move away from that. That's
0: it. And ninety uh, percent of the people I was surrounding myself are good people. But there was a, there was a ten percent which I was telling myself, which were up to no good. And I mean, it's no offence to them, no disrespect to them at all. But that wasn't what was going to better me in life or move me further. Yeah. So it was um, if me and her didn't move out to our to our base, I don't think that the bond and the connection we sh- we shared, or the or the lifestyle that I was involved in, would have changed. So when you move out together, any man who knows that who's moved in with their, their girlfriend knows that fights and stuff happen. You're putting two completely different sexes of people in the same house, you're going to clash and things like that. So it was a learning curve for both of us, especially myself, going from being a smart ass, drug addict, alcoholic, fucking love to party, <laughs> to, living, to living in it you now and, and trying to of my shit and focus on my shit when I still at the moment I still don't know how to deal with certain things or to, to to heal myself in certain ways. But I was trying at the point. Of Man, time. how how so like, was, um, how
1: tough did you find that though? Because like you're saying, you've been a party boy all those years. You've got your really intense highs off drugs like that, which can't be recreated. Like, how did you switch from that life to chilling out and not doing that anymore? Because that's I mean, as especially as an addict, like it's, it's no joke. It's not easy to just, just stop that side of it either.
0: No, nah. to be to be honest, like the the addiction part of it, the hardest thing I've ever found to find self addiction to is gambling. Drugs, I know myself I can turn off of that.
1: Nah.
0: I can get on the drugs one night and the next day be fine. Um, I was just using lots of them to to get through life and get through the days. Um, moving in together was probably the best thing ever because it took my mind off partying and being that guy to being with somebody I love. So when you when you love someone, you want to spend that time yeah. with them. And I fucking thoroughly enjoyed it. Fair enough, it, it did cause the odd argument because we were both in each other's space all the time we spent every single waking minute yeah. together. Um, so it did, did cause those arguments and stuff. But it was um, it was the best thing for me because I had somebody there I wanted to spend time with. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be with her watching a movie in bed or going to the gym or, or doing those things instead of being out there partying. And it was, um, so by trade, I'm a, I'm a printer. I've been in the printing trade for almost 16 years now. My career was doing well when I first met her. But when we got together and we formed a relationship and stuff like that, my career flourished. I fucking grew so far in the business. My work ethic, always had a good work ethic, but it just went up to another level. So my, my career fucking bloomed and blossomed and having my career going well, and the relationship with the with, with the missus going well, that made all that other shit just seem insignificant. Yeah. And it, it literally in hand when your your mental wellness is well, your life flourishes. When your mental wellness is, is down or you're feeling low, that's when all the other vices and bad situations and old traits come into yeah, play. Because
1: you're trying to get away from it. Whereas if you've got nothing that's to get it. away from, then you, you got more of a chance of, of being healthy and looking after your, your life.
0: That's it. And when you're, when, you're, when you're fucking, when you're happy, happiness is internal, but being surrounded by the right people bring that happiness so much closer. And
1: so what man did you see in the, in the mirror then after you got past that and you were, your you know, business was going well and your relationship was going well? How did you see yourself differently?
0: People take it the wrong way. I used confidence to fuck out all that other shit. Um, people took it as cocky. I've always been not skinny, skinny, but I haven't had mass size to me. So I looked at myself in the mirror sometimes and I didn't have those self-doubts and things like that. Work was going well, but I also knew at the end of each day I was going home to be with the person that I love. And so that literally just change in situation or scenario, your whole mindset on life changes. I'm not saying that it was all good, there was no bad. There was days where I'd feel low, but there was – those days were so few and far between. Um, knowing that you're with somebody who cares for you, it just makes a fucking massive difference. And knowing that I'd been vulnerable and open and cried in front of her and, and being straight with her about what I was dealing with and my father and things like that, it um, it made a massive difference.
1: Mm. Uh, and living that that life where you felt like you being so true to yourself and true to her and you were able to focus on that relationship and, and everything else in life, That's that was a well, more worthwhile and, and stronger and, and made you better off than the drugs and and the more exciting sort of fast-paced lifestyle before?
0: It gave me a chance to settle down. To actually just settle down into the normal routine of life. Mm. I wasn't a single party boy anymore. Um, I wasn't out there fucking doing whatever I was doing. I was actually sitting with somebody at night who I fucking thoroughly enjoyed being. Yeah, and then you must have realized how...
1: Cooked you were before. Once you actually oh, came yeah. off that, I line. yeah.
0: I look back on look back on some of the situations. Even even now, I look back on some things and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There was there was some fucking fun times. There was some incredible fucking yeah moments where I was just like, is this really happening right now? Yeah. Um, but I mean, it wasn't. There's recreational. And then there's, I like to use the word abuse because you're not using it for recreational enjoyment anymore. You're just taking the piss. You just don't what the fuck you're doing. So yeah. it's time to look back on where I was like, it was it was enjoyable. It was fun. I met some fucking interesting people. Yeah.
1: And it's it, form, it forms part of making you who you are as well, and I'm sure you wouldn't change it. But you also realize that to a large extent it was, it was cheap as well and it wasn't the sort of highs that are going to sustain you or allow you to be. Who you want to be? So, oh yeah,
0: yeah. fucking hey. There's, there's no way that I could excel in my career and things like that if I was turning up to work and I'd come down every Tuesday winter. Yeah. And if there is anyone out there that is listening to this, look, I'm, so I'm not bagging drug use. I'm not, not saying don't recreational drug use. Whatever you do, you do, you do your thing. But all I'm saying is, it's not something you can sustain every single day. That it's taking its toll physically and mentally. Mm. Yeah. It's um, it's one of the things like. Uh myself, I would still have my recreational fun now and then, but it's not like I need to go do this, or I need that, or I need to go out and fucking party all week. To be honest, I actually, as a older, I fucking enjoy being a homebody. Yeah. <laughs> have a beer and go to bed. Yeah. And
1: I know people can, hearing your story, people can take it from you that that is definitely... fact but it's one of those things that often people have to experience and find out for themselves and get to a point where they're ready to change and like when you're in that you can't be told anything else
0: oh not at all there's so many people out there i've spoken to uh, it's really a it's a really tough subject to bring up as well if you see a friend who's either overindulging or or something like that you try to bring it up with them i've been in a situation before we fuck you don't want to hear that no it's the last thing you want to hear from somebody um it's a really, really tough subject as a friend to approach because it how do you tell your friend what well, you're fucking doing wrong or you're what you're doing is wrong when you've actually done it yourself. Yeah. So how um,
1: how do you do it? How do you approach that? Do you have those conversations or
0: it's a really hard thing to be honest? Ninety percent of the time is just trying to influence your having your friends involved in something else that doesn't involve drug or alcohol. Um I mean, the catch ups you have with your friends that don't involve drugs or alcohol, they're probably more meaningful, probably more special. You know I mean you do you do if you compare it a month of going out partying or a month of actually doing things you enjoy, fucking going going on a bushwalk, I don't know, going <laughs> to get dinner or something like that. Yeah, well, you're to- gonna
1: you're gonna remember it. Whereas the other stuff sort of all blurs into one. I think another thing that, does. that people really struggle with, especially once they get towards mid twenties and they're sort of verging away from that exciting period where you're late teens, early twenties, where everyone's doing it and it's normal. Or you think that in your mind, a hard thing to, for people to cope with is they want to go one way and they want to stop doing it. And they realize that their friendships are actually built on that. And they don't actually have anything else other than those, you know, partying and, and having those highs together. And that the love that they thought they had or the the friendship, the bond is actually not that strong. And it was all built around that life that they don't want to live anymore. And it's very hard for people because they realise they're going to have to lose friends. They're going to have to grow apart, and uh, if if the person that they're mates with doesn't want to come with them on that journey, or they don't have other stuff they want to do, they actually have to have the death of that friendship to be able to move on. It's so difficult for
0: people. That's the hardest thing is is that connection that you've got. Like so the connection you've got is based around partying and good times. But as you grow up as a man or a fucking female or anything for that matter, as you grow up. One thing I've learned is you lose certain friends, but you gain friends in other ways. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, you, or you gain If you're living the right way and you're living true to yourself and where you want to go and who you want to be, that will attract the people that you need to have in your life.
0: That's it. I'm not saying that I'm fucking Mr. Perfect or I'm healed. No, nah, I can, I can, or I can tell you're
1: not, bro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm like, the thing is I'm, I'm a lot more aware. Um, and those connections that I do form now, I tend to connect with people who are on the same journey and path as me or who are even still doing certain things in their life, but they're honest and they're real. Um, and a lot of them are friends that I grew up with in New Zealand before I moved to Gold Coast and things like that. Connecting back with them, they were my friends when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and that that bond that you still share. that connection's still there. So those are the people who I speak to literally two to three times a week. Um, that that's one thing as well is when you step out of that party scene, the drug scene, the alcohol scene and stuff like that, you still need to have your connection. Oh, yeah. your connection. Because you can't just go cold turkey and just I'm not talking go cold turkey from the alcohol with drugs and stuff like that. However you deal with that's your choice. But so you can't go cold turkey from connection or communication or or having those positive conversations in your life. Um, I mean, if you go cold turkey and you just completely cut off that scene and cut off everything else, well, what have you got? Mm. You still need something there to form yourself as a human. Humans grow through connection. Humans grow through conversation. Humans go through feeling as though they have friends or they belong or, or they've got somebody else in their life. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, Yeah, it's not about, it's the big oh, thing for me. I want to
1: be a better person. I'm not going to go off into the mountains and live in a weird hut by myself and like meditate all day. that's that's not what we're talking <laughs> that's about
0: that's like, it yeah. That's it. And like when people think about like when you use the words like healing or becoming a better man and shit like that, fuck I'm not saying don't drink beer or don't you know, recreational farm, don't smoke cigarettes and stuff like that. move into a fucking hut in the middle of the woods, or whatever. It just comes to everyday life. but just being a bit more aware, of what you're thinking or feeling and, and things like that. So a lot of people out there won't go through the same traumatic bullshit I went through as a kid, which you, you could even call it trauma. I not know my dad, so how could it be traumatic? But, I mean, like things like the the, the drugs and the alcohol and, and almost like at a club and your wife carrying you out of the bar and things like that. People won't go through that, but they'll go through their own struggle mm. and their own hard times, which to them at the point in time, fucking is completely understandable. To them at the point in time, it's the hardest place. Yeah. So, I mean... Everyone goes through it. The easiest thing I've found is communication. The second you speak on those moments, those instances, those feelings, those thoughts, whatever you're fucking going through at the time, it just changes the whole dynamic of it. And like, a lot of the time you speak something into the universe, you realise it might have been a big thing at the point in time, but once you've spoken it, it's not as big as what you thought. Like, one thing I've, I've learned a lot over the last little while is, is, is journaling or, or self-speaking. You sit in the mirror so you got some shit going on in your head. You speak in the mirror. You say all that shit out and then you listen to what you've just said and you're like, what the fuck are you, what are you even worrying about? Like <laughs> little things like that. And it's, it's um, cut off bad connections, make positive connections, but also work on, on yourself. Yeah, I think just, that's the main thing.
1: just sounds like the main thing for you, Zane, is just not keeping stuff inside and then also realizing that not only that, but actually sharing it with other people can be useful to others and not just yourself. Like talk about for all the brothers and what your motivation was with starting that and, and what you've gotten out of that so far.
0: So pretty much I started, I went through my hard times and stuff like that. And as I look back and as I mentioned before, having my wife there. I really just wanted a friend. Like if if you can put it into to the thought process of just being by yourself and being around people who weren't really, coherent or really there. I just wanted a friend. I just wanted a friend to reach in and just be like, bro, you're all good. And you go back five, six, seven, eight years ago, there wasn't a lot of men's talk out there. There wasn't a lot of men speaking up on that shit. So when you're on the internet or something like that, it was just everyone bragging about how good their day was and what they've got in life and this and that. Yeah. So my son was born two years ago, and I figured that the shit that I'd been through or faced or felt, I don't believe it's fair that any other man goes through it and you know, no other brother should go through it by himself or when all i wanted the whole time was a friend there so if i could create a platform um and see me speak on my problems on my path of my journey and like other brothers jump on and they speak about their things been through. if we can all speak about it together we may be able to make that change of, of, of brothers reaching out to brothers and being like, are you all good? Because, I mean, if I'd had that conversation seven years ago, eight years ago, if someone had gone, bro, you're all good, I may not have said something at the point in time, but it would have sat in my mind. And I would have, it would have started a thought process. And I think that a lot of the things, people force other people to open up. You can't force someone to open up. It's not a fucking crab shell. You, you literally have, you have to plant a seed. You have to... Mention something to somebody. You just have to let people know that you're there. Yeah, you
1: just have to create that environment where they know that it's okay if they want to, if they want to get involved, if they want to share, then they can. But yeah, like you said, you can't say, "All right, now, tell me like all your problems right now," because that that yeah. just makes people go inward.
0: With- a lot of people try to force problems out of people or say, "Oh, you should do this, you should do that." I mean, there's no fucking right or wrong way. There literally is no right or wrong way. Um, I know myself that the traditional therapist point of view, but this is no offence to anybody who does go down that path or or to any therapist out there, but the, the clipboard so sit down, tell me all your problems. That's never been something that's ever appealed to me in any way. We, we, we still want to be seen as tough men. We don't want to be going to a, ther- to a therapy session. Yeah. I mean, I, rec- I recommend therapy to a lot of people. I still recommend a therapy to a lot of people. Um simplest thing is go see your GP, let them see them mental health plan for you. Mm but myself and a lot of other men in our age group don't want to go down that path. All they want is a fucking friend. I wanted to create it so my son never had to be in the situation that I was, by the time that he's 16, 17, 18, going into his 20s, that there was a bit of a change in in men. And I don't like using the word mental health. I, I don't like using the word mental health. I like mental wellness or mental upkeep because it's just, once we speak about things as brothers, it becomes a normal conversation, and I want that conversation to be so normalized that everyone sits around the backyard with their brothers over summer and has beers, and we speak about fucking the girl down the road, and we speak about what happened in the, as kids, and, yeah, and this and that.
1: Yeah, we well, speak speak about the actual, the real stuff, and you'll find you have much better conversations, which I'm sure you're having a lot of, Um and we're both doing the same thing. That's why I wanted you to have on, have you on the podcast, and definitely inspired by the work that you're doing and the the openness that you show and the willingness to have those connections and creating that platform. Do you reckon we're getting towards the point where it will be normalized? Cause it's people like you and me that need to make it cool or need to make it accessible or need to make it in some, somehow make it tough yeah. to talk about make that it, stuff. You know,
0: I, I often think to myself is what I'm doing, making a fucking difference. Um, I have a lot of people, especially over the last three to four months, reach out and say, I'm making a difference in things like that and how I've helped them. So, I mean, all I can do, I can never answer the question, are we making a difference or not? Um, To those certain people, we are, to their world, we are. Sit down every man and have those real conversations at the pub, when you're having beer with your boys, when you're sitting down with your missus at night, until you can have those real conversations. I don't know. The easiest thing I think is going to make a change is if one person from each group admits that they're struggling, they've struggled, or that they've been through hard times, once that one lot of work, it changes the whole dynamic of a group. Mm. I've got friends from New Zealand who who, tough guys who would never speak on their shit at all. They opened up and because other people seen them open up. The next week, some other brother said something or another brother said something. And so this morning I had a a men's group Zoom chat we had about six or eight brothers jump in none of us knew each other none of us have met personally anything like that but it was just five different oh, sorry sorry it was six six men who don't feel as though they can speak to their friends but they're gearing up to be able to speak to their friends and I think that's where the big change is coming in and so it's as it becomes a bit more of a common conversation it will slowly start to grow Yeah. and I mean as, as each of us if I can open and honest, I've, I I've myself have found that if I could put up a, a picture or a quote with the amount of words at the bottom, no one's really going to read that. No one's going to really read the blurb that it's taken me three hours to write. No one's going to read that shit. But I figured the second I can start putting my face to the page and speaking on personal problems or personal um, triumphs or loss or, or things that I've faced, that's when people start to resonate. Yeah. They start to feel as though they can relate. I don't know. I don't know if it's another young person's face out there. I don't know if it's the way that I swear all the time. I don't know what it is. Um, but it's 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 made a big difference, especially over the last couple of months, throwing my face out there, because people see it and they'd rather listen to someone, someone talk about their problems um, than read a quote. Yeah. And so having a few people jump on the page, especially the females over the last little while, um, but I think that's where the big change comes in. A lot of us as men don't speak because we are scared of what females are thinking to us. Um, so if you speak to your mate, your mate's going to repeat it to his missus, his missus is going to repeat it back to your missus and it's going to go full mm. circle. Yeah, the females on board as well and they normalise those conversations that it will make it a lot easier for men. Um, right. You've got some men out there who are open as anything, but you've got some people out there who are, who are clamshells, just show as tight as possible. Mm. So if there is anyone listening to this, don't don't poke and prod your friends. probably going to make them clam up more. Yeah. But, um, that's one thing I've realised and I've noticed is that people who push and push and push and push, they fucking pushes people away. Mm. People don't want to open up or talk to them. Mm. Uh, the, the thing is I'm very forward. I'm very frontwards. Um, my, my language is very coarse sometimes. But it's just because I speak from the heart, from the top of my mind, I don't filter my shit out. And it was something I was speaking about this morning as well. I don't filter what I say or I don't pre-plan what I say because I figured if if I water it down from the start, if I've got a semi-fake agenda from the start or I haven't made it as real as what I want to be, well then the finished product isn't going to be as real as what I want yeah. it to be. So if I if I take out my spirit, or I take out the way that I speak, or I alter certain things to make certain people happy, well how am I going to expect a man to open up to me and be honest about his shit, but like truthfully honest, yeah. if I haven't been honest with myself. Yeah, that has to be censored. But I think like podcasts, especially like this, where people are honest and real, like all it takes is one person to listen to this and be like, fuck, off. I've been in situations like that. Or what he's saying right there, I can I can see that in my own past. Well, things like that, that's where the conversation sparks. Mm. And that's what I'm all about. Throwing the face and the voice and things like that out there, yeah, because it just makes men realise that I'm a 31 year old male. I'm from West Auckland. I live in Melbourne. I'm just like every fucking one of yeah. you. Yeah, totally. Like that's that's all it is. Totally.
1: People who are looking like looking for um, you know, just just to to listen or just to feel like they're not alone or to know that someone else has shared a similar story. They want to see someone who looks like them, who speaks like them. Uh, they don't want to feel like you know it's some old wise man looking back and and now reflecting and and preaching. They want to um, see that we're all going through something and some of us are willing to talk about it. And if you're not willing to talk about it yet, that's all right. But listen and know that you can if you get to that point. And that's, that's what it's all about. And I think we can make a change, but it has to be one person at a time, one group at a time. And that comes from being honest like you have been and, and putting yourself out there and encouraging other people to do the same and then that just slowly grows over a generation until we start to see a major change, but it doesn't happen overnight.
0: No, and that's it. Like This might sound like some generic bullshit and people might like this, whatever. But we're truly making a change for the next generation. We truly are. I want my son to grow up knowing that it's okay to talk about your shit. It's okay that if you're not feeling yourself, to open up and speak about it. And the more men that start to make that change Slowly and speak on their things, and just make it not such a taboo subject or make it something that's never spoken about. That next generation is going to come through and speak about it properly. Yep, I mean, Absolutely. it's, it's gonna go, it's gonna end up going full circle. There's going to be times when I'm sitting there when I'm 80 years old, and to hear my son talking to his son about it, yeah, that's what's going to make me proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I mean, if 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 all of us just front up. Like, literally, I'm not saying man up and block off your shit or hide it away. I'm just saying front up. Just the shit that you're thinking and feeling, you're not the only one. You're not special. You're not mm. the only one in the world who's got that problem right there. There's so many fucking men out there who've got the same problem. Yeah. And once you say it, one of your friends could be going through the same thing. And for example, and men like you who have
1: gotten through it, you know, you've gotten, you've well, come it. Like, through it. You've been there. And that's the whole point of, Stories that actually make a change or make people want to think about and reevaluate themselves is someone like yourself who's been through what you've been through, decided that now nah, you didn't want to go that way, made some positive changes, and now you're the man you are now. You know it's possible. Yeah, that
0: that's it. Like just a small little life changes that you, you know. Made. And you're not you're not oh, a, you're no not go. a
1: scientist or like a fucking. You know, oh, rocket scientist no. or anything? I mean, <laughs> like, like you're just a dude. Uh, <laughs>
0: I'm I'm am I'm a printer by trade. I don't have any qualifications when it comes to 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 therapy or anything like that. But I just speak from experience, yeah. and I think that's a lot of men learn that way. Like I know a lot of people are uh, uh, science orientated and they want to read what a therapist has said and stuff like that. that's that, that cool. Myself and a lot of the men that I know, we learn from hands-on experience and we learn from someone yeah. sitting in front of us and being honest with us. Yeah, totally, man. And it's, um, it's one thing I briefly wanted to speak on was postnatal depression. Men. I mean, my son was born two years ago. I suffered fucking small amounts of it. I didn't feel myself for the first six to eight months when he was born. Just not knowing how to dad, not knowing if your missus still loves you because all her attention has gone to the kid. Think Things like that. Something that's never spoken on by men. Yeah. I voiced that a couple of months ago, I had five or six close friends reach out to me and talk to me about it because they've been through it and they thought that what they were going through was was fucking different to everybody else. Yeah, because you never hear about it. That's it. There's small conversations. It's literally the small conversation. The fight with our mistress that we never talk about. That, that 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 debt that we've got. That um, I know the bills that are coming through the door. The fact of losing our job. Things like that. We all face it in one way or another, but the second we speak about it, we can either start finding some help or our brothers can help us. Yeah. But just imagine if tomorrow they weren't here. Uh, that's one thing for me. I had a friend pass away two years ago and he'd gone down the wrong path and things like that. It's choose away at me right till this point that I didn't make more of an effort to keep in contact with him. He didn't die by suicide, um, died because of a motorbike crash. But um, it was also the fact of me and all the friends I grew up standing in a circle being like, fuck, like, like, I wish I'd said this to him. I wish I'd been there for him during this, things like that. Like, if anyone hears this and you've got that friend out there who is kind of off the rails or doing things that you don't agree with, they're still your friend. Let them know you fucking love them. Let them know you're there for them because... I still never want that feeling again of standing there at somebody's funeral and being like, fuck, I wish I'd said this or I wish I'd done this. or I wish I'd told him I fucking loved him.
1: If you got something out of this episode, please leave a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show so we can keep bringing you the content that matters. If you want to stay up to date with what we're doing and get involved, get onto the Youngblood Podcast community Facebook group and follow Youngblood Podcast on Instagram. And if you're keen to get in touch with me, email Podcast all one word, at hotmail.com. This podcast was produced by the talented Rory Noak at Podbooth. You can check them out at podbooth.com.au. This is Young Blood. Thanks for joining us. Catch you next time.